what we're dealing with in 1 Corinthians 14 is a very, very interesting chapter in the scriptures. And it's a little bit unique in this regard. 1 Corinthians 14 has a primary focus. And the primary focus deals with a situation that was going on at the church in Corinth. The situation was this. The people who had been gathering together for worship didn't have a pattern uh, such as we have where you can uh, follow what other churches do and kind of get an idea of what people are, are doing as far as their worship times are concerned. But in the 26th verse, we were given a little bit of a hint as to what their services were like. And they were kind of raucous. The people would come and uh, somebody would be giving a prophecy and somebody else would be speaking in tongues and then other people would be singing psalms. And then in just relax women would be calling out, trying to have questions answered. And uh, Paul says that these things are really not appropriate the way they're being handled. And so he uses this chapter to handle a lot of these sticky issues, a lot of the difficult issues. And one that still creates some uh, consternation for people today is that there is the belief that the implications that Paul uh, addresses here related to the issues of speaking in tongues and bringing prophecy, that it creates some question for people today. And if we would understand more clearly, and, and I think most of us do, if, if perhaps not all of us, that the Lord had a specific reason for which he allowed people and gave them the capability to speak in languages that they had not learned, that's what tongues is, they had that capability because the scriptures had not been completed. As we mentioned before, nobody carried a Bible to a service where they gathered together for worship because there was no Bible. There was the Old Testament, and that was relatively rare because every Old Testament copy had to be copied by hand. And so they didn't have this revelation that you and I enjoy today. God saw to it that when the Scriptures were complete through a variety of different circumstances, and actually for different reasons. Certain miraculous gifts were no longer necessary, and in fact, they would actually come into contradiction to some of the things that God had said in his word, and so he, he brought those things to a cease. And so today, when we read this chapter, we want to be careful that we're not trying to apply... Uh, no, th that's the wrong word. We're not trying to embrace the specifics of what is going on in this chapter, because of the uniqueness of the time in which this message was given. But, the Lord tells us that all Scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, reproof, correction, instruction in righteousness, so that the man of God may be perfect or complete thoroughly furnished unto every good work. So what we are finding is that there are truths, even in this uniquely written passage, that come down to us and have very direct impact upon the way we live. And what we need to do is look at this passage and discover what those truths are that the Lord had intended for us today. We started looking at this, well now I guess it's three weeks ago, in fact, even the week before that, we may have even been looking at this. I, I can't remember. Uh, that's what happens when you get old. But as we looked at this, we began to understand that 
the Lord wrote this not just for the specific implications of the day in which Paul was writing, but to the 21st century church and to the gathering of believers here in Pompano Beach. And so as we look at this, we have to say, what does God intend for us? And the very first thing is this. He wants us to understand that it has always been and always will be his desire for the congregation of believers that meet together to focus upon edifying one another. Now, we didn't read the first 25 chapters together, or chapters, the first 25 verses together, but we did read from 26 on, and 26 still gives you a bit of the flavor that follows, uh, that, that follows from the first 25 verses. It all revolves around this idea. The use of prophecy, the use of tongues, the use of all of the spiritual gifts, and the purpose for which, or one of the purposes for which the body of Christ meets together, is for the purpose of building each other up. We, we live in a world that tears down. Is, is life a bit of a struggle from time to time? Does it ever bring with it disappointments and hurts and hardships and trials and troubles? Of course it does. That's the way life is going to be until we are delivered from the presence of this life into the presence of the Lord if we know Christ is our Savior. So what has to happen when the body of Christ meets together, we have to counteract what the world is delivering into the lives of those of us who interact with it every day. And so the Lord's desire is that we build each other up, that we strengthen one another, that we stand together using the spiritual gifts that God still has for us today to encourage the lives of each other in such a way that we are strengthened, that we are living in the light of the hope that we have in Christ, that we are encouraged in our walk, that we have a sense of love from one another, and that we have a sense of mutual care that really takes note of the issues that are happening, not only in my own life, but in yours as well. And so I want to step up, and I want to be of help to you, and I want to stand with you. And that should be the desire and the declaration of every person in every pew in this church. That as you look around, you look at one another and say, I want to stand there with you. If, if you doubt that, go back through the entire chapter and look how often the Lord speaks about edification. When we met together, we talked about the things that do not edify so that we could try to remove those from our lives and focus instead on the things that do. And one of the things we realized was this. Sin does not edify anybody. If we decide that our lives are going to be lived in such a way that we dishonor the Lord with the, the very practice of what we do, we become the opposite of what the Lord intends. He intends for us to build each other up. When sin is in our lives, we tear each other down. Because nobody sins to himself. Sin affects others. Sometimes it affects a mate. Sometimes it affects children. Sometimes it affects parents. Sometimes it affects friends. Sometimes it affects co-workers. And it always affects the body of Christ. Always. And so, sin doesn't edify. We, we looked at another 
aspect of this. And non-involvement does not edify. When we decide that, that church is just, oh, I, I skipped one, didn't I? Had to flip two up there. Well, I'll get back to empty activity. Um, if, if we decide that, that we're just going to be part of a body of believers and we're going to zip in at the last minute, maybe even late, and zip out right away and have no interaction, we have completely missed one of the grand purposes for which we gather together, and that is to interact, to edify one another. And so non-involvement, not using our spiritual gifts, not using those capabilities that God has built within our lives to bring glory to himself and to build up the body of Christ, it doesn't edify. And then, of course, the empty activity. Uh, Sometimes people make church nothing more than a social gathering place, a place where they can enjoy each other's company, and that's a good thing, but they do it more on a social level, even on the same level that unsaved people do. And, And that does not edify. It does not build up. And a complaining spirit does not build up. It's so easy to complain. It's so easy to see all the things that are wrong. Do do you ever have a problem with that? Isn't it amazing? You can have this many things that are right and this many things that are wrong, and guess where you focus? Down here, right? Uh, You know one of the problems that I have as a pastor? (laughs) Don't anybody volunteer? We would probably be going on for quite a while. Uh, But one of the problems that I have is this. I will look around in a church service, and I don't always do this, but see, most of you are creatures of habit, and you sit in the same place every week, as if you bought that pew. And you didn't buy the pew. You can move around, and if somebody is sitting where you normally sit, don't go in and say, that's my seat. I've had that happen to me in a church out in California. Dear old lady, the church was, it was only a third full. And I'm sitting at this spot, and we're, we're 20 minutes into the lesson, and this dear old lady walks up to me. She says, you're in my seat. <laughs> like, what? Uh, after I punched her and took her out, no, I didn't do that. <laughs> I just moved down and let her sit there. But listen, I, I kind of have the idea where all of you sit, and so there are times, and don't feel like I'm keeping a, a list, I'm not, but there are times I'll look, and I'll see that someone's not here. And guess who I focus on? Where is so-and-so? Instead of, look at all you that are here. And that becomes a real problem that I deal with. Now, you may deal with other issues, and what we have to be careful about is that the negatives don't become the focus of our lives. And we develop a complaining spirit. Instead, take a look at the two verses that we had looked at previously in verse 3, where we're given a very clear definition of what it means to edify. But he who prophesies speaks edification and exhortation and comfort to men. Drop down to verse 31. For you can all prophesy one by one that all may learn and all may be encouraged. So when we look at this whole issue of edification, what we're talking about is being strengthened through encouragement, through comfort, through instruction. So that when we gather together, we encourage one another, we comfort one another. We have a dear sister that lost a son this week, and she needs our comfort. And we do that with one another And we instruct one another. 
and we instruct based upon the Word of God because our, our own opinions can be valuable, but they are not infallible. And so the way that we instruct is based upon the Word of God so that when we preach, we edify. When we teach, we edify. When we sing, we edify. When we minister to one another, we edify. Paul wrote to an early century church, but that message continues to echo down through the hallways of time, and we hear that echo very clearly. We are meeting here today to edify one another. We are meeting here today to emphasize the importance of the local congregation. Did you get that? See, we're living in a day today when some people look at the church as if it's a, uh, you can take it or, or leave it. it. It really does not make a whole lot of difference. And yet, the scriptures teach something very, very different. Why does God focus so much on the importance of the church? Well, take a look at something. As you go back into this portion of the Word, what you find is the unparalleled importance of this body of believers. There is nothing that matches the importance of the church. It is for the church that Christ died. It is in the church that the Lord has placed His Holy Spirit. What we learn from 1 Corinthians, and, and we've already covered this, is that individually the body of the believer becomes the temple of the Holy Spirit. But when you get to the 6th chapter, from that 3rd chapter, and you read this, that the Spirit of God is in the local congregation, and He said, you be careful how you treat the presence of my Holy Spirit. There is no other institution in which the Lord has placed His Spirit. He has placed it within the local church. There is no other institution for which Christ died. He died for the church. And it is His body. It is His bride. And the reason that that is so important in this passage is because of the implications that follow. I want you to look with me at a couple verses, and, and we could look at a whole lot more, but these are kind of powerful verses, and they jump out at you. Look, look back at uh, verse 4. He who speaks in a tongue edifies himself, but he who prophesies edifies the church. Verse 5. I wish you all spoke with tongues, but even more that you prophesied. For he who prophesies is greater than he who speaks with tongues, Unless indeed he interprets, why? That the church may receive edification. Drop down to verse 12. Even so you, since you were zealous for spiritual gifts, let it be for the edification of the church that you seek to excel. I heard a message one time by John MacArthur. He gave ten reasons why he loves the church. And it was a great great message and he gave very very specific biblical reasons why christ loves the church and why we should love the church 
But I'd like to look at it a little bit differently. In this regard, I believe that the work of Christ today rises and falls with the strength of the local congregation. Do we want the Lord to work today? Do we want Him to work? Then we better keep the church strong. Some people, I hear things from time to time where people would be willing to undermine the importance of the church for some other reason. And I listen to that and I say, do you understand what God has to say? Listen to some of these things. Let me just read a few of them to you. The testimony and the cause of Christ rises and falls with the strength of the church. Do you believe that? church back in Wisconsin that I had pastored years ago found itself in trouble because they allowed people who did not believe the doctrine of the church to become part of the church and as that faction grew in strength they decided they wanted to take the church over, the building and all the property and it led to a big battle and I had gone back there to visit and uh, we, Debbie and I stopped at a little restaurant in town the first thing the waitress said to us, hey, did you hear what's happening back at the Baptist church? The first thing. The whole town knew about the, the fight, the conflict that was going on. You can't have that, folks. By the way, it's part of the reason why people who don't believe our doctrine should not become part of our church family. They should find a church that believes their doctrine so that they can live in peace. And we can live in peace. Reaching of the lost depends upon the strength and the weakness of the church. The well-being of babes in Christ depends upon the strength and the weakness of the church. The success of discipleship depends upon the strength and the weakness of the church. Um, when I wrote this down, it brought to mind something that, that I had experienced in years past. Some of you are probably familiar with the ministry of Campus Crusade. Good ministry. They do a lot of good things. But they had a very, very glowing problem. And I hope they've addressed it by now. I don't know if they have or not. But the problem they had was this. When you became a follower of Christ as a result of the ministry of Campus Crusade, everything that they focused upon focused out of the hub of the Campus Crusade ministry in the college campus upon which they were working. And so if you were saved at the time you were a freshman, for the next four years, the primary focus of your spiritual involvement came to the campus ministry of Campus Crusade. And then you graduated. And when you left, you didn't understand the importance of the local church. And person after person after person who had been involved with Campus Crusade drifted through their spiritual lives and many of them never became deeply involved with a ministry that made an impact for the cause of Christ because they did not know the importance of the local church. Are there ministries that can do specific things? Yes. But they can never 
take the place of the local congregation. That's why Paul calls us time after time after time. Do what you do to strengthen the church. The strengthening of believers by virtue of the use of spiritual gifts and instruction comes with the strength or the weakness of the local church. The defense of the truth comes from the local church. The Apostle Paul, when he was approaching the end of his life, I think began to realize more and more how important each little congregation that he was involved in starting, how important they were. And I want you to listen to what he said when he wrote to a pastor by the name of Timothy. And he said this in 1 Timothy chapter 3, verses 14 and 15. These things I write to you, though I hope to come to you shortly. But if I'm delayed, I write so that you may know how you ought to conduct yourself in the house of God, which is the church of the living God, the pillar and ground of the truth. Does that sound like it's important to you? Absolutely. Absolutely. Somewhere, Satan has blinded people's eyes and minimized in their thinking the importance and the strength of the local congregation. The sending of missionaries depends upon the strength or the weakness of the local church. One of the things that to me is somewhat lamentable is that some of the newer churches today do not see the importance of missions upon which we have focused our attention over the past couple weeks, and quite frankly, we keep our attention on it 52 weeks out of the year. The healing of the spiritually wounded. Could Campus Crusade help the spiritually wounded in college? Yeah. How about a 45-year-old that's not involved in a campus ministry? No, no, they're not there. But the church is. The purity of the Christian community understand the church has the authority to discipline its members when they walk out of line, when they live lives of ill repute? We know that because Paul had to write to the Corinthians, there was this immoral man who was having sex with his father's wife, his stepmother, and he says, that guy's got to go. You get him out of there. Until he repents. By the time you get to 2 Corinthians, it appears that that man repented. And once he did, now you could receive him back and begin to bind up the wounds and help him move in the right direction. You think the local church is important? (laughs) Apparently I haven't convinced some of you. I'm pretty sure I haven't. I did something up here today, and I, I feel badly because it hid the choir part of the, part of the way. These big signs that are up here, you, you, you can't see all of them. But I wanted our church family, the, these signs are part of what we use when we want people to recognize what all Grace Baptist Church is involved in. We're going to soon be in a, um, a what, what do they call it, unity in the community here in Pompano Beach. 
and we'll, we'll have these signs up there. And so people have an idea, okay, here is what Grace Baptist Church is all about. But I thought it would be good for me to bring this before you as a congregation for a variety of reasons. I would suspect that many of us do not fully realize all of the ministries that are going on at Grace Baptist Church because it's very easy to focus on one or two and to forget some of the others. And, and then two, I think even by way of when we make our contributions and we follow the Lord's direction in, in the way that we give, you want to know that that's being used for something that has eternal value. I mean, if I'm going to give my offering, I want it to be used in something good. I don't want to throw my money away. I want it to be used for something good. So I thought, okay, here, here is a way for our church family to understand a little bit more about Grace Baptist Church. These are the ministries that we operate. Through His Hands, which is a ministry that is directed to the deaf. And you'll see... No, Carol's not here. Okay, are you down there, Carol? Oh, there you are. I couldn't see you. You're hiding. Watch out that they don't fall. Um, Carol's down there and she's interpreting for those who cannot hear. We have ladies' ministries that provide Bible studies. They have their retreat through a variety of fellowship and outreach ministries. Our missions ministry. What do we have? 50, 60 different individuals and organizations in which we help support them. The hospitality committee. You might say, oh, well, well, that's nice. Well, do you understand that when somebody has a baby or someone has a loved one who dies, our hospitality committee jumps in. They help bring food to a family that's hurting and may not be able to really take care of things under normal circumstances. And they step in for that, and then they take care of all these big ministries that we have going on as well. Our discipleship ministry, glorifying God by producing disciples who love, worship, and obey Him. And that's done in a, a variety of different ways. Grief share, which is designed for the purpose of helping those who have lost a loved one overcome the emotional drain to the point where you can begin to live with confidence and healing. Prayer meeting, which meets every Wednesday night where we have a gathering of people who take your requests and take them before the Lord, and, and they, they lay them out at God's feet so that there might be divine intervention on behalf of those things that are meaningful to you. I wish you all were part of that. Operation Christmas Child. Ta-da! The Gathering. This special outreach ministry. Pastor Luke brings a gospel message Three out of four Sundays every week. The fourth Sunday is, no, Saturday. I'm so, oh, right, yeah, the, the fourth Saturday. Boy, that's terrible that I said that. Is Stump the Pastor Saturday. And people uh, raise a variety of questions that they expect the pastor to be able to answer. The very first question that I got, where are my keys? That was from Bill Merriweather. He lost his keys. <laughs> Those aren't the norm of the questions that we get. Uh, Highlands Christian Academy, the largest ministry of Grace Baptist Church, through which our beliefs, our desire to see people come to Christ, our, 
are fulfilled in the lives of kids all the way down from four years old up through those who should have graduated three years ago on occasion. <laughs> Mops, mothers of preschoolers that meet and encourage one another as they're raising children. The nursery committee, people right now making it possible for us to sit here in relative... Uh, what's the word that I should use? Sanity? Uh, relative peace? There's not the chaos that comes with little kids. Although, having little kids in a, in a service is not bad. Even their crying, is that's fine. Usually when they hear me, they go to sleep. Some never get over that, I've noticed. Children's church. Also, the older children now being out, taught the Word of God. Awana. One of our great outreach ministries that ministers to over a hundred kids every Wednesday night. Vacation Bible School. One of the things that kids really look forward to over the summer months. And parents too because they get them out of the house when they're driving them crazy. The drama ministry with our image. And a lot of this is done through the Christian school. The youth ministries which carry out not only instructional ministries, but involvement in ministry to others, where they become involved in mission trips. In fact, I think there's another one that's being planned for this summer. Back down to Nicaragua again. Kids praise. You will enjoy the ministry of kids praise. Do you enjoy hearing the kids sing? Absolutely. Because You know why? A lot of those songs that they sing today, they remember 20 years later. And you teach them truth through those songs, and when they sing, the truths of those songs come back and they're reminded of those truths. Men's ministries, where we have not only our men's retreat each year, but we have men who become involved in helping individuals with different projects, some of our older folks, and sometimes people that are not even part of our church need help, and we step in and help with that. Our widows and widowers ministry, where we keep an eye. Our elders each have certain widows over which they are watching to be sure everything is okay with them. Because sometimes a widow or a widower doesn't have anybody to watch over them. And if they don't have life alert, what are they going to do? Well, we've got people to help. Our prayer walk, every Monday morning, a group of people walk around our campus praying for the different schools, uh, different schools, the, the elementary and the, the high school, and they come through the hallways and they literally place their hands upon the missionaries, uh, the pictures, and they pray for each one of them. Sunday school, for all ages, many of you came out of that Sunday school time to come into this, and you've been instructed all morning long in truths from the Word of God. The praise team, the orchestra, the choir, were ministered to, to by them each week. I love our music ministry. I love the way the praise team leads us. Didn't the choir bless your heart this morning? That was wonderful. I, I'm looking forward to their involvement in the Christmas presentation. The tract ministry, where we've got the tract lady, who, yes, Carol, who takes care of seeing to it that tracts are available for you when you want to take those. A jail ministry. Somebody says, wait a minute, we have a jail ministry? We have individuals who are involved. I know of at least three or four right now that are involved in helping people in prison, in jails. 
though it is not technically carried on by the church, it's carried on by individuals within the church. The stewardship committee. How do you think the campus stays as nice as it is? We do have a maintenance team that keeps good watch over. But then, from time to time, we have individuals come in, like yesterday. Didn't they do tree trimming yesterday? And, and just to make it beautiful, we, we do work. Growth groups. Tonight, some of you are going to be meeting together with a, a group of individuals to study the Word of God, to encourage one another, and to stand together. Did you know all that was going on? Oh, you did? Why did I waste my time then? I don't think it's a waste of time. I think it's a good reminder. How important is the local church? It's very important. It is the hub from which the Lord does all His work. Say, so, oh, I know individual who do stuff outside of the church. Yeah, but they're not doing it in obedience. That's not obedience. I know people who do a lot of things in disobedience and yet graciously God still leads them and still uses them. Wouldn't you rather be where the Lord wants you to be? Wouldn't you rather be building up that which He wants built up? Do you notice how often He says, edify the church, edify the church, edify the church? That's where God's work is done. Why? Because Paul made it very clear it is the pillar and the ground of the truth. I hope that Grace Baptist Church never, never departs from the basis upon which it was founded, which was to declare the Word of God, to glorify Christ, and to magnify His name. I hope this church never departs from its 50 years of history proclaiming the Word of God. But a lot of churches have. Why? Oh, they got some bum pastor in there. Whose fault's that? Who has the authority to remove a pastor that shouldn't be behind the pulpit? You do. Now, don't get any ideas. No, you should have an idea. If, if, if I am not the one that God has called here, then I guarantee you there would never be a fight to stay. And then you replace me with somebody that will preach you the Word of God and stand for truth. I'm going to stop there. This chapter that's directed to other people specifically has become an incredible treasure trove of application for us today. So we'll come back to this. We'll look at it again. I hope, if nothing else, those of you who know Christ as your Savior, when you leave here today, you will embrace... Wait a minute. Some of you will say this. Well, the pastor said it. It must be true. Sadly, I've learned over the years, some of you could say this. Well, the pastor said it. I'm not going to listen to it. Don't. 
go back to the word itself and find out why the letters were addressed to the church at Rome, to the church at Corinth, to the churches in Ephesus, to the churches of Galatia, to the churches at Philippi, to Timothy, who was a pastor, to Titus, who was a pastor. To the seven churches of Revelation, none of which exist today. I wonder why. I wonder why. Let's stand. Father, it would be our desire that no one would leave here today without embracing the Lord Jesus Christ as their Savior. I pray that no one would leave here today without recognizing the damning power of their own sin and the sacrifice of Jesus Christ that paid the penalty of that sin and the resurrection of Christ that guarantees our life. Father, only your Holy Spirit can convince people of their need. And so I'm, I'm asking you, Father, to allow your Spirit to work in such a way today as to cause people to put their faith and trust in Christ as Savior. And for those of us who know Christ, Father, help us to keep the important things, the important things. Help us never to be sidelined by the things that could distract us from those works, works of righteousness that you would have us become involved in. Father, I thank you for the people of Grace Baptist Church. I thank you for their deep involvement in so many different ministries. Father, without your people, these ministries that we've just enumerated could not exist but it's because of your people that they do. I pray, Father, that you would help us to lift up the name of Christ as a church in every ministry you've called us to perform. For it's in the name of Jesus Christ, our Savior, I pray.